Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Brewbroker, the marketplace for the brewing industry. With over 500 traders already on board, Brewbroker will find you buyers for your spare capacity or the perfect brewery to create, contract or white label a beer. Join today for free at brewbroker.com. That's B-R-E-W-B-R-O-K-E-R.com. Create a supplier profile to fill capacity or sign up as a buyer to start your tender with their easy-to-use platform. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Hot Forward Podcast. For those of you who are part of the UK Beer and Brewing Professionals Facebook group, I shared a post on Sunday. I'm going to unpack that a little bit now. So this, if you're not part of that group, this will be new to you, what I'm going to say. Um, but if you are, then you'll have seen a little snippet. So cue the cheesy inspirational music. For those of you who don't know, I do a lot of running. I've done half marathons, some fell running in the Peak District. I'm slowly but surely working my way up to the London Marathon. On Sunday gone, I did the Round Sheffield Run. The Round Sheffield Run is a half marathon length run, but it's broken down into segments. So you'll run for a distance and then you get a bit of a rest and then you're in another distance so on and the idea that it's a big race where you have to punch in and out and you're running different heats there are all kinds of people who take part in this race you get guys who smash it out doing the entire thing in an hour and you get people who aren't really experienced runners at all but just want to have a good run around the city and be sociable. For those of you who know me, I'm a pretty amenable guy. I like to get on with people, be friends with everybody, give them a big hug and make some cupcakes. But put me in an environment like a race and my inner bastard comes out. I'm never going to win the race. I'm built to win the race. Can you hear that? Right. That's the beer belly. I'm just not built for it. However, you'll get this guy, and it's usually guys, by the way, who is that little bit better than I am. And there's something in me that's like, you're not overtaking me, you mother foder. And I came across a guy like this on Sunday and he just kept overtaking me and then I'd overtake him and then we'd have this cold cat and mouse thing going on. So at this one particular segment, when I saw him coming up the rear, I was like, I'm just going to bomb it and he's going to eat my dust. And so the race was on. We were both pelting it round. And then all of a sudden my legs were like, no, Nick, no, I can't take it anymore. And I just hit the wall and he sailed past me and I felt quite foolish and my pride was dented. And then after that, I kind of went quite slow and at my own pace for the rest of it. But it really struck me as I was running around because I was overtaking a lot of people. And then obviously there were some people like him overtaking me. And it struck me that we're all running our own race. And it can feel sometimes like other people are just sailing to the top. 
Now you don't see all the hard work and the training they put in, or the long hours. You just see them smashing out a beer festival, selling out of their beers, their bar being really successful, them having a really innovative product that they just seemingly plucked out of the sky, and them selling loads of units of it. But we're all running our own race. You're running your race, I'm running my race, Joe Bloggs down the road is running his race, Fullers are running their race, Cloudwater are running their race, everyone's running their own race. So my encouragement to you is whatever race it is you're running today, whether you're a one-barrel brewery or a 20-barrel brewery or a million-barrel brewery, like, run your race marked out for you. And go and smash it for yourself. There you go. Inspirational message of the week. And here on the podcast today is definitely one man running his race. Boom! Oh, yeah, look at that tedious link. I should be on the Chris Moyles breakfast show. Is it Chris Moyles still? Um, But that whole tedious link thing. Because on the podcast today, we've got Reese from Beer Riff in Swansea, of all places. It reminds me, actually, a little bit of High Spruco in Clown, which is in Derbyshire. Like, who the hell knows where Clown is exactly? Who the hell knows where Swansea is? It's somewhere in Wales. Hope you like my Welsh accent. I used to go on holiday to Anglesey every year without fail, religiously. So I'm down with the whole Welsh lingo. That should be on my CV. I've either just like gained a million listeners or I've just lost them all. <laughs> anyway, uh, BRF, they are doing their thing like in Swansea. Like I've never seen their beer around these parts, but I love what they're up to. I love seeing it. And so I wanted to talk to Reese in the outposts of the UK in Swansea to find out what they're up to and just chew the fat a little bit about running a brewery in not a metropolitan area like Manchester or Newcastle or London or Leeds, but somewhere in the country where you think, well, it's all a bit backwards out there and people don't drink that kind of beer because you'd be wrong and they do. So, Reese, if you're listening, I, my fingers are crossed for that care package. I look forward to drinking it. And the rest of you, follow us at Hot 4 Beers on social media. Subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz. And visit hotforward.beer because the whole thing about Hot Forward is we want to help you get ahead and help you prosper with our inspirational messages and stuff and whether we can help you with your brand and your marketing whether we can help you with some brewery consultancy or some business coaching and development hot forward is there to help you so here is the hot forward podcast with reese from beer riff So today uh, on the Hot Ford podcast, we are bringing together skateboards and brewing with Reese Pillai from Swansea's Beer Riff. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. So, uh, so Beer Riff, like, how, how did Beer Riff get started? Uh, I'll try and keep it slightly brief. Uh, I used to run a skateboard company uh, called Fur Skateboards. Um, and my local pub, The Pilot, which has a little brewery at the back, uh, after a few beers one night, I just asked uh, in a bit of a drunken state, we should do a collab beer. <laughs> uh, 
And a week later, Rich owns it, came back to me and said, oh, I've got a recipe, let's do a, do a lager with you. And I totally forgotten that I'd asked him to do this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we did that and we launched it at one of the skateboard parties and people were really, really into it. And then we started pouring it at their pub. Um, I just started being really popular. And about three months later, they asked me if I wanted to join and learn how to brew. So yeah, I jumped to the choice. Wow, amazing. So it re- real departure from skateboards then. Yeah, quite the, quite the thing. Have you kept much of that skate culture within Beer Riff or is that a yeah. kind of thing you've got going on there? Yeah, we've got some of the, the old school boards that we uh, used to like uh, get made and sell and then got some of the like Omnipolo Globe collab boards on the walls. My mates hand painted some boards to the walls for us. So yeah, it's quite still quite a big part of it. Yeah. We do um, like Big Skate Mag as well. We do stuff with them. So they're, they're in the bar as well. Awesome. So, yeah. Cool. So there's no like skate park outside then so people have had a few beers that can... <laughs> not, not yet. There is some uh, em- empty land behind us, which uh, with our local skate park, we talked about maybe doing a little uh, secret. Uh, oh, please tell me that's on the cards. That'd be awesome. So yeah, hopefully we'll see. See how that plan goes. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. So I, I I first came across the brewery through Facebook. I think I think it was around a year ago, and I I loved the branding and artwork. I think I thought it really stood out. So just just talk us through that. Like, did, did you know the Illustrator before you launched Beer If? And how much of an impact has it made having an Illustrator on board like that to do your your brandings and design? Yeah. So uh, it's Phil Morgan, uh, Illustrator from Cardiff. He's absolutely amazing. Um, kind of blowing up right now. He does. It's a huge, like, he's a massive part of the skateboard scene as well, so he does a lot for the Cardiff skateboard scene. He's been out doing stuff for vans, painting their skate parks. Right. Um, I'd kind of known him from when I used to play in bands years ago. He was in bands, and then when it came to doing the fur beer, he was just first choice, really. Um, yeah. He was really into it. And then when we sort of came about doing beer ref, it was just the instant choice, first person. Just, hey, do you want to get involved with this? And he straight away was involved. Yeah, right. he was up amazing yeah, it is a massive thing i think if you look at obviously the sort of craft beer market at the minute you know every can is this own you know illustration it's a massive part of selling that can isn't it so mm. it makes sense but yeah i love phil's artwork and yeah it's been a massive part of what we do so yeah i think it's quite cool that it's it's sort of relatively local to where you are as well um because you know i, I think my observation is sometimes you get one illustrator who's really good and then lots of people approach him or her to to do their artwork, and then you get quite similar sort of designs. So, but um, I think when you find like a local illustrator who's quite quirky and unique, you know, as a brewer or, or bar or whatever, you should really sort of hang on to that person. Yeah, I mean, Phil's been great with. He's not. He's done a few other little one-off cans for a few other breweries, but as far as he knows, that he is sort of our brand. And you know, I mean, he's been signed on for that from the from the start. So, mm. has it made much of an impact then um, having Phil on board? with your brands and designs like have you found that it's actually drawn business to you because i mean like i said i i i you know start following i've never tried your beer i'd really like to but um i i was attracted to it because i saw it on facebook and thought it stood out like have you found that's been a common thing and do you think it would have made much of a difference if you, you just had more bog standard contemporary branding if that makes sense um no i think it definitely does help us stand out especially when you do advertising um for us, because we don't really, we're quite small. We don't, we sell across sort of South Wales at the minute. Yep. So especially when we're in places like Cardiff, everyone's like, oh, I recognize that. That's Phil's artwork. So right. <laughs> in that sense, but it does, it's quite, like you said, it's quite quirky artwork. And I think it does stand out. So when you do see it amongst a bunch of other cans or on a tap, you definitely 
at least get drawn in to look at the label, you know? Mm, yeah, totally. So Swansea doesn't exactly strike me as being a likely location for a brewery and a bar like yours. Like, how have the locals reacted? Um, really well, actually, yeah. Uh, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really positive response. Um, there's a few other cool, a uh, couple of little breweries around, but nothing... As far as the bar goes and what beers we put on, there's no one really doing that. You've got a few other ones that have maybe one or two good beer taps, but mm. nothing. It's definitely still a work in progress down here. Right. Do you ever get people making a special journey to beer riff or, or, or are you still sort of establishing yourself in the market? No, we're, we're almost like a destination bar because we're a little bit... We're only five minutes walk out of the city centre, but we're just down uh, set in the marina right outside all the fishing boats and all right. that. So it is a little bit out of the way. Yeah. Um, and like Swansea city centre doesn't really have much going in it these days. So all the other good places are kind of the other end of town. So mm. yeah, so definitely people who come here, um, come here for what we do, which is really good. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you overcome that challenge? Do you find sometimes that you think, oh, I wish it was busier than it is or... Um, or, or, or are things just sort of been ticking over pretty well? And... I think they ticked over really well. We've been, I think, word of mouth spreads. Um, we did a little bit of local advertising at first, but um, yeah, I think people just hear there's this strange little brewery with a cool little bar sitting down on the waterfront. Um, they come down and try it. Yeah, and we're just we've been really lucky. We've had such a good response to it. Yeah, and do you ever look at like other beer scenes, whether it's like london or across the north in places like leeds and manchester and sheffield and think oh well it's just us and tiny rebel out here you know i mean, I mean tiny rebel it's cardiff isn't it so it's right okay yeah you, yeah but, um so you know you're kind of like <laughs> even further out um yeah. when we when we started it like the base uh so joe and rich who i run this with uh they've got another brew pub down in the mumbles but that's a much more like traditional kind of pub mm more cask um they do do some keg as well down there which is cool but um they kind of got they had the original idea for doing this sort of bar um after going to the great british beer festival yeah they were just going around london went to like places like mother kelly's and a few places that thought this would be great in swansea but that obviously swansea's about 10 years behind everywhere else so yeah. uh, it was a bit i was like i love the idea straight away um and they asked me to be on board with it and then we did like a few sort of uh, you know, scouting missions. You know, we've been to Bristol of quite mm. a few times anyway because that beer scene's amazing up there. Yeah, um, Cardiff's getting way better, and then yeah, when you look at places like Manchester and those, you know, they're amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you touched upon that about um, Swans being like ten years behind everywhere else because I think it, it in the echo chamber of social media, it can feel a lot like when you're in your more sort of metropolis areas i guess like london or or manchester that you know that there's lots going on it's all really progressive but i guess out in swansea and it's it's is it a town or a city or i've never been so um, uh it is a city but i think it's got more of a town mentality um we're quite lucky there's been a huge the uh, university's expanded massively so there's a huge student population coming here now right um and we're really lucky that we're on like by the Gower, so the coastline's amazing with all that. But as far as the actual city goes, I don't know if there's not really much going on there. Right. So, I mean, do you ever feel f- 
frustrated that things aren't quite as progressive in a place like Swansea as, as elsewhere, maybe where you're, you know, the places you're looking to inspiration to for, for beer, if thinking, oh, we want to be like that, but with, you know, you kind of feel like you're dragging the mule and the mule doesn't want to come or, and, yeah, and how do you deal with that? Um, I think as much as what the, say the council and what they invest into the town, which is not very much, or they don't do it well. So when you look at the way Cardiff's redeveloped and become an amazing city again, mm. um, but going on there, but we're really lucky down here. There's loads of really good people opening really good independent businesses. Um, so there are more small independent bar cafes opening um, that are thriving, you know what I mean? And that's, you yeah. might not get support from the local sort of council or whatever, but they're, they're really pushing it and it's really good to see. That's amazing. That's, that's so good. I mean, I think it's great when you get local economies that thrive like that. Um, I guess because, you know, with you being all the way out of there as well, it's um, you've got to rely on that. But and it's it, I guess it's sink or swim, isn't it? No pun intended with you being a fishing town. But um. I think as well with like a lot of these smaller businesses, they're all in. None of them are really in the center of town. There's a few of them there. But like if, if we say you're all dotted sort of within five, ten minutes out of town in these cool little areas. But, it's you know, that's good. It makes up the little bits of the town exciting. Yeah. You're not just going to the same place every week. It gives you good options and choice, you know? Mm, totally. So as a relatively new brewery, like how, how have you found you positioning yourself in the market? I mean, do you have ambitious plans to grow? and do you, Or do you think there's pressure on newer breweries like yourselves, when you look at like your Cloudwaters, for example, to, yeah. to, to grow and scale really fast? Because, you know, there's this whole kind of fear of missing out. Oh, you know, we need to be like that. And I mean... Are you looking to grow or, or, or are you just sort of content with being what you are? For us, um, we're limited by our size of the building space we're at. So mm. we're up in the capacity of the brewery. So we've got two new uni tanks that will be here in a couple of months. Um, but that's kind of our brewery space taken up. So then it's another big step if we wanted to do right. something else. But our aim is always just to be grow organically. There's no pressure to become gigantic or... You know, chase. We have to be chasing X amount of sales every month to make this. Like, we're really lucky having the brewery tap. Yeah. Huge of our own beer goes through that, and I think that's where a lot of. I could be wrong, but I think a lot of new breweries start out. Uh, they buy a brew kit that's probably too big for what they are, and then they're just chasing. So they're sitting on beer for ages. Yeah. Where, yeah, and without your own brew, I think especially these days to start a brewery unless you've got a tap room i think it's a really hard market yeah it's it's funny you should say that because i've i've been talking with people recently um both in conversations and and in my role as a brewery consultant um where you know they're, they're looking at launching a, a brewery business and i'm saying something like you, you just like you know oh should i should i do a 10 barrel brew it's like no <laughs> do do like a brew pub to start with or something you just need something to output your own beers through and retain all that retail margin for yourself because yeah. you, you know I've, I've been there where you're gonna pick up the phone every monday you know it doesn't work does it the do you want to buy some beer no thank yeah. you i'm oh, i'm yeah. all right thanks my cellar's full <laughs> ah! everyone especially with the way it is everyone wants something new continually yeah. so it's you know we've got we do a core range of beers here but mm. it is hard when we sell you know we've got quite a good network across south wales but again they don't want that not always they don't want the same beer every week, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're brewing a mass load of it and you haven't got the output for it, it's it's almost a pointless exercise, you know? Mm. So are you putting on your core range beers? Do they sell well in your bar and you're putting them on there? 
Yeah, so yeah. we try and uh, we've got 15 taps in the tap room. Uh, so we have always got well, we try and always have five of our own on, and then the, there's 10 guest ones then that are continually changing. Well, unless we keep um, one sort of lager the same. So we, at the minute we're using Lost and Grounded Keller Pills, right? Sort of a house lager, and then a cider on tap. But otherwise, everything else changes continuously. Right. Okay, so how how do you complement um, the beers that you're getting in with your own beers? Is that do you have, are you consciously thinking? Well, we've got these ones of ours that we've brewed to these sort of styles and ABVs. Are you looking to complement it, or are you just kind of being like, like you said with the um, the delivery you got earlier, the Irish uh, cream coffee stout? <laughs> that sounds nice. Um, I think that's the fun every week. I get to pick a load of beer that sometimes. I might be choosing my own what I want to drink, but <laughs> it's quite hard because you want to make sure you've got a range of styles going on, um, price points as well for running the bar. But like, you know, when we started, I never thought we'd be having. You know, we have to have a sour on tap all the time now. Yep. Um, at the minute, we've got uh, an Omnipolo 11% Aeon rum caramel coconut swirl that's you know only served in thirds, which you know Swansea. I never thought that would happen in Swansea, but we're doing it, so it's good. Amazing. Yeah, and you've got to push people's boundaries. And so, like I said, it's more of a either you're a real ale or you're a lager drinker in Swansea. And it's really good to like get people, they come in, they might not have a clue what any of the beers are. Mm. Uh, but we're really lucky our taproom staff will spend the time taking people through it, explaining the styles, giving them tasters. And yeah, it's amazing to see people change their perception of what beer should be. That's that's fantastic. Um, I've I've got some friends that run a bar in um, a place called Clown, which is in I think it's Derbyshire. It's in the, it's like an ex mining town, and they said when they opened, it's in an old school building. Similar setup to yourself, actually, okay, um, a small brewery plant in it. But when they when they set up, um, they said they get all these sort of big burly blokes coming in, being like, "Oh, I've a lot, got any Carly, mate?" And they're like, "No, but." we don't but you can why don't you try this you know and he says in the end they'd be there asking for pints i'll have a pint of that peach imperial sour or whatever you know um yeah. and that they've just had to slowly but surely educate their community but they're they're always thriving it sounds like you've got a similar vibe going on there yeah and people yeah once once you get them in they have that taste and you're talking to them it becomes a more personal thing as well it's mm. not just it's not like here you are here's a pint you do get the people who still come in What's, where's, your, where's your car in? We don't do it. Oh, well, I don't want anything then. Okay, that's your choice. <laughs> uh, but if they want to try something, we're going to help them do it, you know? Yeah, totally. So what's been the biggest learning curve through the process of setting up a microbrewery in a tap room over the last year and a bit? Wow, that's a, that's a question. Um, we're kind of lucky because... So I run this with Joe and Rich, and they own the pilot in... Yeah, it's like... Uh, five miles away down the other end of the seafront um so that's like a smaller traditional brew pub so mm. we kind of had the basis of it already there yeah uh, but when we came to opening this uh i think it's just we scaled up the brewery size um and the fact that you know we were going for something quite wild that swansea wasn't i don't know we had, you know there was a few bars serving craft beer if you want you know i hate that word craft beer but uh we, we all know what you mean yeah 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 um so it was just, you know, getting people in and then having people look blankly at you as they don't have a clue what any of the beers are. But hmm. that's, you know, get, just talking to people, educating them on that. Um, and for me, like, I've always been working in bars and stuff, but for running a brewery and running the tap room at the same time, it's, it's a lot. But luckily, 
I think we picked a really good team of people. Yeah. All the back staff, um, the tech manager, they're just so good. They're so involved and invested in what we want to do. Mm. They're willing to chip in in any way. You know, if I'm downstairs brewing, they come help dig the mash out. Yeah. They'll do every part of it, you know. Which so is really how cool. many people have you got working there? At the minute, there's uh, me and then there's four taproom staff then. Right. So are you the brewer? Are you the main brewer? Or? Yes, yeah. I do all the brewing. Yeah. So talk, talk us through your brew kit. What's What kind of kit have you got? Um, so we're a four barrel kit uh, made by Elite Stainless. Um, so I think at the minute left hand giant using Elite Kit. Yeah. So kit is Elite Stainless as well. So yeah, it's cool. Um, it's perfect size for what we want to do. It's just more tank space is what we're what we're trying what we're up in at the minute. Um, and changing to all uni tanks as well. So yeah. So did you? Sorry, did you say that the kit was pre-existing, or is it a kit you had to get fabricated? Specifically no, we have to So we've got the same kit down in the pilot, but it's, that's two and a half barrel, and we're four barrel here. So yeah. So what what considerations did you have to make when getting a, a kit made? Because I've, I've I've visited certain breweries. Well, actually, we're made nameless um, fairly recently that I've just had a, a complete and utter nightmare um, with various different companies. Like, what sort of things sh- should you be looking out for? I mean, because I've heard good things about Elite. Um, but what sort of sh- things should you be looking out for in um, a, a welder to put your kit together? I w- I'm not going to, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm still very much at the beginning of my brewing journey. Um, what we decided when we were going to go another, get another brewery um, was that we knew the elite kit anyway and how it worked. Yep. So, uh, so it was nearly doubling the size. So it's, it's an easy way for us to upscale. Yeah. There would be slight changes I'd make to it now um, with the way we're making beers, uh, whether, you know, if we could have added a whirlpool, that would have been great or something like that. The thing. But, you know, if you learn those things and you figure other ways out of doing it. <laughs> get out the shovel and get yeah, the stirt. Come on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there's little things like that. But, you, yeah, I think the more I've been learning is since we changed the uni tanks is the setup on that. So... The company we had our tank made with maybe didn't offer us the most help, or maybe we just didn't know enough at the time yeah. to know what we wanted. So it's more we just we've adapted to the tank. You just need more adapters as you go in to make it all work. Um, mm. But now with the two new tanks, we've spec'd it to exactly what we want. So yeah, and that they've been really helpful on this this side of it. So yeah. So how did, how did you go about funding? Beer if to get it to where it is today was it sort of were there pre-existing funds there or I mean because buying all the equipment from microbrewery even on a relatively small scale like you guys are <laughs> it's a pretty hefty price tag and then you've got fitting out the bar as well yeah um, so we had Joe and Rich invested um, that pub is very successful um, definitely one of the best pubs in Swansea if not right. the best um, during the whole camera thing they've won best South Wales pub or Swansea pub quite a few times. Right. Um, so the majority of the investment was theirs, um, and I invested what money I have into it as well, uh, which wasn't, wasn't a massive amount. And then certain things like the brew kit, we, did, we had a good finance deal on that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and then as we've gone along, we saved, sell beer, save money. That's another tank. Yeah. So it's, it's going along those sorts of things. And obviously we redid the whole we had to redo the building um which is a lot of money when you do it um mm-hmm. 
between a few builders and ourselves, you know, you manage to do it. But there's always hidden costs that you can't expect, but you somehow find it. And there's been good help from like friends and family as well. Yeah. Uh, but you, I, <clears throat> we didn't, we never wanted it's charity or anything. It's just people have been wanted to be part of it. You know what I mean? But it's not like we've never crowdfunded or anything like that. It's definitely very tight. Three people wanting to achieve something. Yeah. I think the crowdfunding thing is a funny one. Um, at the time of recording this, um, it was announced that um, Red Church Brewery in London had um, gone into administration. Now, they've been, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen it on? on? Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it. Um, now, they've, um, someone's bought the company. So it's it's great that, it's really great that they're, they're, they'll still be able to go forward with their, with their brand. They're going to revitalize the brand and the business. But there's a lot of people out there being like, well, I put, I put money into that through crowdfunding. <laughs> and yeah. it's, I was in conversation over Twitter, um, just with people like Matthew Kurtz and other people saying like, on the one hand, it's it that's business and that's investing. Your capital's at risk. But on the other hand, he made the point, rightly so, that, yeah, but... It's not like for for most of those people, they're not buying an investment like you you know you, you're buying shares in some tech company, you know, or you're you, or you're an investment banker. You, you, you're investing in them emotionally, and um, if something like that happens, like the the, the money goes because you know that's the risk of running a business, isn't it? Like you know you you, you make the best plans in the world, best laid plans in the world to buy, like I said, no, more uni tanks and expand, and then maybe it doesn't quite work out. Um, I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on crowdfunding? Just as an observer of, of that yourself, I mean, is that something BRF would ever look to do? And I'd, I'd never want to write it off because you never know. I could say no, I'd never want to crowdfund, and then the year be like we're going to crowdfund. But I think when you see an established brewery who've proven themselves, so if you look at like what Vedant have just done, yeah, um, that you know they well deserve that investment. They make amazing beer and they've yeah. grown away. You know, Northern Monk have done it before. Um, again, another the way their business is run, fantastic. Um, I think crowdfunding. When you see if it was someone like I'm going to open a brewery, someone crowdfund me. Well, you haven't proven anything, you know. Yeah, it's taking all the risk off. You know, I, I think if you just someone just paid for you, you crowdfund it. Are you going to work as hard to make sure that brewery works because you haven't invested everything, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's a good thing when breweries get established and they built a community network of people because wasn't it. When Left Handed Giant did it, wasn't it some like eighty percent of their crowd funds was from Bristol? Right, I, I didn't see, but that, I mean, that wouldn't, wouldn't sure surprise me. That, don't quote me exactly on that, but I'm sure, like, yeah, the eighty, close to eighty percent of it was from the Bristol area, mm. which they've built that community, you know. Yeah, and because that, that new tap room they're going to be open looks crazy. Yeah, but I, I think I, that's that's the thing, isn't it, with crowdfunding? I think. Um, like say you've got to have proved yourself you've got to have and and i think as well you like you said earlier with the way you've invested you know you've got to put some skin in the game yourself rather than just being like i want someone else to fund my business for me because um i know with a lot of crowdfunding campaigns there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes before that campaign goes live so then it's like wow look they've already raised five grand in an hour it's like yeah because they've got a couple of people to give them two and a half grand each, you know, um, as, and, and they've been doing the hard work behind the scenes. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I think we'll see a lot more of possibly the kind of thing we've seen with Red Church in weeks and months to come. That leads me to my next question I was going to ask, like how, how much room do you think there is in the market for new 
breweries in the UK like yourselves? Because it's like, you know, the, the natural life cycle of a business, they say, is seven years. And, you know, um, I think it's great that obviously you've got um, your big hitters like Northern Monk and Magic Rock and all those guys are are sort of building sustainable businesses. But that's not the reality for a lot of businesses. You know, they, they hit sometimes they hit the wall and they, they can't or they overexpand and overreach too quickly. And we're in a saturated market. I mean, do you, do you think there's much room for growth? Do you think we're going to see shrinkage? Or what's your take on that? As as well, as somebody that's kind of new to the market, I think Magic Rock will be all right, won't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, um, you you need those. It does suck when big beer comes in and all that and buys things, but those those sorts of breweries, um, like Magic Rock, for example. Everyone can moan, piss and moan about them being bought out. That's their choice. They've got to a point. They've invested crazy money in their business to get to where they are, and they've pushed the beer scene for years and years. Um, still, you know, they've obviously gone the route they want to do, but smaller breweries, I think it slowed down massively. I, I didn't read the full stats the other day, but I think, like, from the last few years where it's been, like, you know, a thousand breweries in a year opening, or you know, something like that, to now there's, like, only a few, a handful a year. It was like seven or something last year. I mean, I, that can't be right, surely. Like, Everyone was questioning it on Twitter, like, that can't be right. Seven. Crazy, but, you know, it is hard. You get, you buy the brew kit, you open up in a little industrial estate in the middle of nowhere, and then you've got a load of beer, and you've got to go compete with thousands of breweries, you know? Yeah. Not even just the UK breweries now. There's such a good import market as well. For sure. But the distributors are putting out, you know, they're bringing in amazing beer from all across Europe and America. You know, you've got to compete with that. Mm. Um, so I, I think it, you'll still see them coming, but it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's why the taproom model like you've got going on there or like that is so prevalent in the United States? Um, yeah. do, do you think that's, that's, that's the future then? Yeah, I think I, I would like to see it go that way. I think it gives small breweries a better chance as well and you're much more engaged with your local community as well, mm. which is, I think, a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the more of those sort of little tap rooms going on with little mic breweries there, you know, even if you can only brew one beer there, that's still pushing a handmade, you know, handcrafted beer that your local community is going to feel like they want to be part of, you know, and support. Yeah. Either instead of going to where the spoons and having a punk IPA or something like that, you know. Yeah. So for anyone listening to this, that's brave enough or stupid enough <laughs> to want to start a, a small brewery um, sim- similar to beer if like what how, how should they approach it what kind of size do you think they should be going in at is is, is one barrel too small is four barrel too big do they need to, where would you sort of pitch yourself if you were doing it now from from to get start, from scratch obviously I think it, you know you've got to know your how where you live in obviously it depends the size of the town what mm. your marketplace is going to be um so, yeah, we do four barrel, kind of wish we had a slightly bigger, but I kind of like that size. It's a really manageable sort of thing with a few more tanks that, that'll keep us quite nicely going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you just kind of got to see what your market is. If you can open, you know, if you've got, if you can hold 200 people in your tap room, then you can sell more beer, obviously, um, if it's good beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, there's, there's that whole part of, you know, you, are you going to do a little bit of, say, home brewing? But you know, are you going to do some trial recipes beforehand? Get a get a feeler, get people tasting beers. You know, 
homebrew is never going to taste exactly the same, but at least you can get an idea of what sort of things you're pushing out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I just I, th- I think a lot of the time people go too big. Yeah. Um, unless you've got you know if you've got the funds to keep yourselves going for years and years and years, I, I I'd always personally go a bit smaller. And if you need to expand, then you can look down the you know whether you go to a bank and ask them for a loan or you go the crowdfunding route. At least you've got time to prove yourself and not be sitting on a load of beer. Yeah, totally. So where do you, where do you see the UK's beer scene in five years' time, and what issues do you think it'll be facing? Looking into your crystal ball. Yeah, I mean, the main big issues is how many other you know the sort of staple breweries are going to will any of them else get sold to big beer and go that route? Um, in some ways. I think when you look at seeing, you know, there's the whole Beaver Town thing. If Beaver Town is in more, say, general pubs, that's got to be good for the craft beer scene in some ways because it's pushing that type of beer yeah. to maybe uh, someone who wouldn't normally drink that beer. And hopefully then they'll go look out for small independent craft beer. So, yeah, as much as I don't like big beer, I also see – there's, probably, there's there's got to be some benefits from it happening, uh, which can benefit all of us in the long run. Bro, bro. I'm probably slated for saying that now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> so last question then, like, if you could impart one piece of advice onto anybody um, that's running a, a brewery or bar or beer business at the moment, um, what f- from what you've learned, what would it be? Definitely just stick to your guns. Uh, you know, there is that time where it gets difficult when you first go in and you're like, oh, are we doing the right thing? Should we get some normal beers in the tap? No, don't never do it. Stick to what you do. And people, as long as you're, as long as you believe in what you're doing and fully believe in it, I think people buy into that. Um, And that's what we've definitely achieved down here. And that's by surrounding ourselves with the right team of people here who are really invested in it. And they love they love beer as well. That's a massive part. The people who work in this tap room love the beer we sell. Amazing. They're all coming to me going, can you get us this this week? You, know, <laughs> you, want, uh, you don't want someone who just turns up for their shift, just doesn't care about the beer, you know? Um, and that's why we, we do it. We all love good beer. We want to make good beer. And you should push. Like for us, I always, we always said that our beer should stand on tap next to those great beers that we all love or that's what we should always be aiming to get to, you mm. know? And I think some there's a lot of breweries out there that don't do that. They just shovel it out as quickly as possible. And yeah, that's not good. That's not healthy for the senior. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- thanks for being on the show today, Reese. Um, how can people find out more about Beer Riff or, or taste the beers? Like I said, I've not even tasted the beers and and um, I'd, I'd love to or visit the tap room. Yeah, well, we just should be launching a new website. should be up this week uh, when I find some time to finish it. <laughs> But yeah, Facebook and Instagram, just Beer of Brewing yeah, is what we mainly use. Uh, you'll see some pretty stupid videos of us all on there. It's a, it's a bit wild. Um, and then we do small pack cans. Uh, we've got a small in-house canning sort of system. Right. So the aim, we will be doing small runs again as we go through, which will be available on the web shop. Um, otherwise, go into your local bar and tell them to uh, order some beer. Yeah. <laughs> I presume they can get through like e- Ebria Trade or something like that. Or... Yeah, we're just going onto that platform now. Um, again, 
the minute we're, we're just trying to keep ourselves and some of our local things supplied at the minute. Um, but yeah, as we exp- as, well, expand, as we get a few more tanks, we'll definitely be going further with that platform. Awesome. Brill. Well, Reese from Beer Riff. Well, thanks very much for having me. Today's episode of the Hot Board Podcast was proudly sponsored by Brew Broker, the marketplace for the brewing industry. With over 500 traders already on board, Brew Broker will find you buyers for your spare capacity or the perfect brewery to create, contract or white label a beer. Join today for free at brewbroker.com. That's B-R-E-W-B-R-O-K-E-R.com. Create a supply profile to fill capacity or sign up as a buyer to start your tender with their easy-to-use platform. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hey,